I'm Michael Brennis, and this is the Showbiz Roundup. Ted Piltzecker has a long history of traveling the world, spreading his lyrical approach to playing the vibraphone. He often collaborates with fine local players, and for this performance, he's recruited the Lawrence University Faculty Jazz Ensemble. Good morning, Ted Piltzecker. Welcome to the Showbiz Roundup. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. Um, the vibraphone as a jazz instrument is is certainly not unknown, of course, but it's but it is fairly rare. I mean, in comparison with you know, brass or wind instruments or piano, for example, in the jazz world. Um, did you have mentors or players you looked to that inspired you to pick up the mallets? Um, like, I don't know, Gary Burton or Milt Jackson or, or Bobby Hutcherson or someone like that? Or was it more that you had access to the instrument and maybe fell in love with the sound uh, or the physicality of the instrument or how it allowed you to express what you were hearing in your head musically? Well, Michael, you asked very good questions and very logical questions. None of that, unfortunately, is the way that I came came to this instrument. Um, I, I was a trumpet major at Eastman. That was my main my main instrument, and and um, you know, I graduated as a performance major. I could I could play okay at one point in my life, I, but so that vibraphone was never my my instrument per se. But I was in uh, the marching band high school playing the trumpet and I sort of made a left and the tuba player sort of made a right and my instrument got smashed mm. and I went to the music store to put it together. I guess I was, I don't know, 16 years old. And my, my parents uh, were there and I had to wait for the thing to get soldered together. And while I was waiting, there was a little vibraphone in the store window. It's called the Genco. We now unfortunately call them Junko, sorry, <laughs> manufacturers. But, <laughs> Small, you know, starter instrument, and they put a down payment on this thing, uh, and it showed up, you know, three months later for Christmas. So I didn't know anything about the vibraphone or the history of the music, or the, or wasn't knowledgeable enough to have a, a good mentor. You know, mm-hmm. I learned afterwards uh, about that history and and <laughs> and the development of the instrument. So I just started noodling with it while I was in high school. And then I went, I went to college. I sort of kept it in my dorm room and I was an unofficial percussion guy. I used to sneak into the percussion rooms, you know, and play a little bit. But then I got into the jazz ensembles at Eastman and started playing some vibes things. And, you know, one thing led to another. So my career sort of unfolded as, as a vibraphone player. And of course, consequently, yeah, I, <laughs> I listened to a lot of Gary Burton and certainly a lot of Mill Jackson and, and, you know, the people who, who were inspirational to me. But I have to say, in direct answer to your question, it's probably not vibraphone players. It's probably other musicians, you know, uh, Bill Evans, Dan Getz, uh, Art Farmer, you know, Chet Baker. Those, those are sort of my heroes. Not the screaming trumpet players, you know, mm-hmm. not, not the Maynard Ferguson types, but the, um, you know, the lyricists. The people who could spin out a beautiful solo. I just sort of had a, I, I, I was pulled to that somehow. And um, and the other advantage I, I would say when people do ask me this question as a wind player, so I, 
you know, Milt, Milt is just, he, he breathes through the instrument. He's the, you know, he's extremely lyrical. We all know how he's, he spins out these phrases. Um, but I sort of had the advantage of not coming from a percussion back, background to the instrument. It wasn't rat tat 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 it was, this is a phrase, you know. Mm -hmm. So I had to breathe to make music before. And, you know, it, it, if I'm lucky and I'm playing, that breathing shows up in my in my phrasing, you know, uh, on a good day. Interesting. That's, <laughs> that's very interesting. I, I actually hadn't considered that. Let, you know, a lot of vibraphonists start out as percussionists and, and uh, maybe they double on vibraphone as opposed to approaching it as... Um, you know, the main voice. So that's that's really something to think about there. It's not a normal avenue, or at least it hasn't been. Now you could actually find vibraphone majors at various conservatories, true, true. jazz schools around the country, but it's it's pretty rare. Uh, and, and it still is. Um, but, um, yeah, that's the way it was. We all sort of came up in odd ways. I didn't come up in the traditional jazz way by hanging out in clubs when I was 14. And I just didn't do that. I was, you know, I, you know, I, we all come to this from a different avenue. I have a strong interest in composition. So that's been a driving factor for me too, along the way. Mm -hmm. um, and mentioning composition, you've had a, a, such a varied career. Um, you do teach composition at SUNY Purchase and ensembles and percussion at the University of Hartford also performing all over the world with various groups. You've directed the jazz program at Aspen for 10 years. And uh, so the question is, what's your favorite part of the job? <laughs> Would you be a performer and band leader exclusively if you could? Or do you find teaching brings sort of a balance to your career, apart from maybe being important for paying the rent? Michael, it's a great question, and I do have two children who are now grown, and it certainly was important to have a stable family relationship, stable family situation for me. Um, uh, but all along, I managed to find a way to play and perform and write. As I said before, it wasn't the typical jazz hanging club scene, but I, you know, I did a lot of that. But, but a lot of things, the, the most exciting things for me in the last, I don't know, 15 years have been doing these percussion festivals in South America. And I sort of got onto this circuit where I would go join, you know, be the vibraphone player in, in, in these festivals um, in a lot in Brazil and in Argentina and Uruguay and stuff. And, and I, I just love the fact that it was all about the music. Nobody was there to sell merchandise or, you know, try to get the next gig or a clinic or something. It was just about sharing the music, and that became so enriching and and um, satisfying for me. I, it, you know, I, I think that's probably part of an answer to your question. I just love doing that, and I always look forward to going back and doing that. Uh, but yes, I love teaching, and and now I, I've been retired since September. <laughs> um, I left my position. Congratulations! Thank you very much. And and you know, I said <laughs> call up a. You know, I, I sort of spend some time off the circuit, although I could always get away from school to go to these festivals. Right? So I called up some friends and sent out some CDs, and lo and behold, I'm getting pretty busy. I'm very happy about it. So I'm, I just came back from uh, recording in Denver and a couple of club things out there in the University of Colorado Boulder, and it's a great club called Dazzle, and uh, coming to you next week. 
in, in Wisconsin. Very much looking forward to that. I'll see my old friend, Dane Wisheson. Um, be great. Uh, and then uh, I go to Florida next after that to a, a place called the Blue Bamboo Arts Center, which is cool, University of Central Florida. So these are, you know, maybe not the highest profile jazz gigs in the world, but I'm just thrilled to be playing with really good good musicians. That's that's important to me. You want to surround yourself with people that are articulate and creative and are going to sort of kick you in the butt a little bit, you know. That's what I that's what I love to do, just just continue, you know, growing. So I maybe that answers your question. I it's a long-winded answer, but I'm I'm enjoying not teaching so much anymore. And I am enjoying playing and writing and touring now more than I have been able to do. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, you, you mentioned the Dane Richardson course faculty at Lawrence University. Um, and for your show in Madison, you've recruited the Lawrence University faculty jazz ensemble. Um, is that your practice when you go around the uh, different areas? You, you put together a band of high quality local folks for each performance? Every once in a while, you can bring your own band, but the, the way it is for me and with my particular level of profile in the business, you know, that's, that's, I have to do that sometime or play with the local rhythm section at a club. Uh, like I said, sometimes I bring my band in, but in this case, yes, I play with the faculty ensemble, but this happens to be, yeah, I, I, I think a really exceptional situation because uh, they're so uh, Excellent. <laughs> Indeed. Those Indeed, people yeah. are, are, you know, they, Lawrence is a sort of a special place. And, you know, it is not your average jazz faculty. Um, and to, to have that in in Appleton, Wisconsin, I think is particularly noteworthy. It, it really takes some some effort to assemble that kind of mm-hmm. folks, a group of talent, and have them stay there and commit. So I'm, I'm thrilled. Tim Albright is a trombone player on this gig. And I, he was also on the faculty at Purchase and doing all kinds of shows, both classical and jazz and, and, and commercial work. And, you know, they enticed him to, you know, raise a family in Appleton, Wisconsin. He still goes out and plays, but it's a good example. So, yes, I often play with uh, local people, but it's not always the jazz uh, faculty at a university. Sometimes I will find players in in a community that I will come in they will join me at a university concert it's not always the faculty um, so you know and then sometimes my own band <laughs> do you find when you when you go around you're returning to given places over and over again you find the same people to work with um, you know on different occasions when you come back the next year or the year after that as I recall I played a, a concert with Mark uh, Ernest the bass player and Dane um, I don't think Bill Carruthers was on that gig, but I played with certainly Dane many times when he was in Ohio <laughs> years ago. Oh wow! Uh, and and then um, and then at Lawrence, once or twice I was there. Sorry, I, my memory is escaping me. I know I, I've been there once, perhaps twice. <laughs> um, um, and yeah, so that's uh, yeah. I go back and play with some of the same folks, and it's great to see. Um, if, if if all is good, that we've grown and taken it to the next level, and then meeting, you know, it's it's like a more mature conversation with people who have lived a little longer, and those conversations you have with your friends at lunch or dinner are different 
when 20 years go by. You know? <laughs> and then the flip side, I suppose, is you get to work with different people from night to night and it keeps the variety, you know, happening and, and uh, maybe challenges you in sort of a different way from night to night. You know, this is a new band to work with and how are we going to communicate and things like that? It, it, it is definitely that. And there are downsides because you don't bring in your regular stick that you've done 10,000 times and it just, you know, you push play and it, it, it goes and everything's polished and you have to sort of let that go and then be present to a new musical situation, a new situation of different personalities and, you know, find the best way to make it work. And, and, uh, and it, 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 it works extremely well as long as everybody is there to serve the music. If I come in with a, you know, the guy of my town who wants things done exactly the way he wants them, you know, sort of an attitude, it, it's uh, that's not gonna, that again, won't serve the music and won't serve the event or, or the personnel or the audience or anybody else, you know. Right. So it's about joining and 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 sharing and and, experiencing some t something together. Now I do have my charts and my tunes that I was sent out in front and, 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 and you know, we'll, if we have a minute, we'll try to get them together and rehearse them. And if it doesn't feel comfortable, if somebody's, you know, doesn't want to play them or it's, you know, doesn't, not a good fit, fine. Let's, you know, let's play Stella, man, I don't care. I'm just there to play the music and to, and to interact, you know. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, as I said, these are wonderful musicians that I get to work with in Wisconsin. So, you know, we'll, we'll play some of my music as well. And they'll, I'm sure, just read right through it. <laughs> I'm sure they will. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and the Madison show is, I think, the second night with that particular group. I think you're playing Lawrence first and then down to Madison. So that's correct. You'll, you'll at least have you'll have one uh, one big gig under your belts together as a group. We will be an experienced ensemble by the time we reach you <laughs> with a long history. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the night before. <laughs> right. For this business, that's a long history, right? Um, yeah, right. For someone who traveled as much as you do, uh, the vibraphone seems like a rather cumbersome instrument to travel with. I mean, especially internationally. Do you travel with an instrument? Or do you rely on the places that you go to supply you with a vibraphone? Um, I mean, I hear horror stories from drummers losing their cymbals or they get sent to the wrong destination or whatever. So it seems like a risk no matter how you approach it, but how do you approach it? Well, thank you for the reminder that it's a cumbersome instrument. I, I, <laughs> I, I did know that one already. <laughs> yeah, man, it's, it's, it can be a challenge. And I, I used to travel, you know, with the, George Sharon Quintet used to do this program called Affiliate Artists. I was, you know, when I was living in Manhattan, like I was on the plane all the time with my own instrument. Obviously, things have changed quite a bit in terms of air travel. It used to be that I could bring my big heavy cases up to the, you know, out of the cab, a checkered cab in New York, right? Place them in the air terminal and give the sky cap $20 and say, can you get this on the plane? Yes, sir, you know. You know, they would, of course, now immediately lose their job. And that's the old days. And now it costs me more to ship the instrument than, than me to get there. So uh, occasionally I do that. Uh, but it's now quite rare that I will ship my own instrument. 
uh, I'm, I'm even prone, if it's not too far, I would rather drive and have my own instrument than, than take a chance on an, on an institutional instrument that you don't know. So, yes, sometimes you get places and, and you know, I, I travel with things that I know I can fix, I can tweak vibraphones with certain screwdrivers and wrenches and electrical tape and all that stuff. Um, but occasionally it's, it's a problem. Um, and you want to get an instrument that speaks and feels just, you know, like it's part of you. And, and, and uh, every once in a while that happens with an instrument that's a, your, somebody else's instrument. Most of the time I'm playing something that is not quite like mine, <laughs> you know, and, but Dane's uh, apparently has a wonderful instrument that he's willing to share with me. That's, that's what I'm going to be playing in this, on these gigs. And I trust Dane. Also, you know, you, you know, the people where you go, right? Like I know people all over the country now. And I, I say, do you have an instrument? And if person X and I know and trust that he's a vibraphone player, you know, um, says, yeah, this instrument is this, and maybe has this little problem or it's great. You know, I will really lean on that advice. Um, I just did a, a something at uh, uh, University of uh, Colorado in Boulder, and you know, the head of the percussion department is a vibraphone player. So, you know, when he says he has an instrument, I and I've known him for thirty years. So right, right. I felt okay with that. But then, in twenty sixteen, you landed in Kathmandu. Was there a vibraphone waiting for you there? Absolutely not. They had this rinky-tink thing, you know, it was unplayable. I, I did a rehearsal. I said, thank you very much. I, I can, I, you know, I'd, I'd be glad to coach or whatever. I, I can't, I can't play, right? Um, I played one concert with this German band that was coming through in really on that instrument. And it was, you know, untenable. I mean, I, I could, I could play sort of like loud and fast, like single lines, like a Lionel Hampton kind of, you know, um, uh, solos but that was it there was just no nuance so and then that was i was joining them as a guest in that concert then the next concert was mine and i said i can't do it as it turned out there was somebody from Kathmandu that was studying at the lionel hampton school in idaho or wherever the hell it is way over there and made a connection they had an instrument in Kathmandu. i drove through this horrendous traffic with you know pickup truck and a couple guys you know picked up a Muster M55 in great shape and was able to do the concert. That was exceedingly fortuitous. Wow. Yeah. You know, and it was a great instrument. And all of a sudden I felt, oh, <laughs> you know, it was unbelievable. And I had a one, it was a really nice event because of that, I think. That's great. I think Madison has a pretty high number of jazz vibraphonists per capita. I can think of maybe five or six capable of performing publicly to varying degrees. Do you find that vibraphonists come out of the woodwork when you show up to perform in any given town? A, a, a little bit. Um, certainly not as much as uh, Gary or, or Milt Jackson, you know. Um, but people do show up because I've been, I just a long record of doing a lot of clinics all over the country for many years for, for Musser and Mike Balter and so I've, I've, I've likely been in their school, maybe it was 20 years ago. <laughs> so there's this enigma of a personality that, oh, their instructor said, you should go see this guy, you know. I, I get that. 
I don't get it because they necessarily recognize me in the what used to be called a record bin or maybe on jazz radio or something. So, you know, your, your, your profile and level of notoriety affects that. So I get some and, and yeah, and they're pretty serious when they come out because they know about me. I used to, uh, I still play with Jack Wilkins, a guitar player in New York. And I just played with him last month. And every time he plays, there's always like these young guitar players now because Jack has been around forever. He's one of the, one of the guys in New York. And so every time we play, I gave this like, you know, many 20 year old guitar players in the room looking at him. I, every once in a while that happens for me. Madison also has a pretty strong unicycling culture. Um, hey, you know about that. <laughs> um, that was kind of your thing for a while. Um, are you still unicycling? I am. It's in the trunk of my car. I do it for exercise and also for uh, sort of centering, you know, like little, it's a meditative experience for me as well. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if the weather will be conducive to getting together with the unicycling club of Madison or whatever, but, uh, you know, they're around. It's a strong culture here. Great. Well, if, if somebody shows up, I need an extension. I'm about six feet tall and I, I, I can't do a kitty one. And you know, Schwinn would be great. So thank you. <laughs> I'm wondering if you have an inside track on the up and coming vibraphonists of today. I mean, is there a society of vibes players that collaborate and communicate with each other? There are. And there's a vibes workshop. Uh, website that uh, Tony Maselli has put together and a lot of young guys are on that. It's been a great service to the vibraphone community. Occasionally on Facebook, I see something posted and, you know, I just check it out briefly. And last month, I, I, I'm, I apologize. I don't have this person's name. His first name is Matt, but I heard something that was really, really catching. I mean, cause he had lyricism and had great control of dampening and uh, really good ideas. And for me, it was, you know, whoa, this is, I'm hearing somebody really say something, you know. Um, and yeah, I have my own, you know, preferences and styles, and but I, I want to, you know, I, I want a phrase to land, you know, and it, when it does, it, it, it means something to me. Um, so uh, I'm sorry, I don't have this last name, but and there's a guy in, in Argentina that I think is fabulous, but but there's a plethora of young talent coming up. I see them every once in a while, all kinds of chops and stuff. I, I see that. Yes. I don't know anyone in particular. I'm sorry. I can't give you a name. I would not withhold it if I could, <laughs> if I, I could maybe look it up on my Facebook thing, but that would take some time. Um, uh, but they're, they're, right, they're, they're coming up and it's amazing how many young farmers there are now mm -hmm. all over the world. Cause I, because of my percussion festival contacts, sort of connected all over the world with this and and uh and then david friedman in 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 germany who's been based in berlin all these years uh, an american he spent his career in berlin he, he has trained many many people uh, who have some some have come back here but infiltrated all quadrant all spaces in europe you know um he's a wonderful musician he he and gary uh are the people that i respect uh the most in terms of having just sheer prowess on the instrument just really being fine players of the instrument technically um uh, more than any other other notable 
kind of recognizable players, I think. But that's from a vibraphone thing. Aside, from, but I sort of separate that, that having ability in the instrument of, between from really landing a musical statement. That's you don't have to have a lot of technique to do that. You have to have something else. Yeah, very true. Well, Ted Piltzucker, it's been a great pleasure having you on the show today. And uh, thank you so much for making the time to be here. We're really looking forward to your performance in Madison. Well, thank you very much for the invitation. And I am really looking forward to, uh, to being with you all. That's it for this edition of the Showbiz Roundup. Our theme music is performed by Outside the Sphere, an experimental duo consisting of Tony Barba and myself. If you'd like more information about this show or any of the past or future shows presented by Bluestem Jazz, you can head over to bluestemjazz.org. And you can follow my doings or be in touch via rattletakebuzz.com. Buzz.com.